When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Well, friends, we have arrived at that point. If you listened to last week's episode, if you follow on Twitter, you have seen, you are aware, I have seen the film Spencer. And I shared some initial thoughts last night on Twitter uh, right after I I saw the film and I slept on it, processed it, and we're going to talk about it. Today, we have one objective and one objective only. We are talking about the film Spencer. We are reviewing the film Spencer. And as a overarching review, sort of if I were to give one word to this film, is heavy-handed. This film is a film that I only need to see once, and I don't need to see it again. Which sounds very negative, but once I get into the minutia of it, we'll understand why. So first, let's start objectively with this film. Let's start broad, and then we'll get very narrow. This film is shot very beautifully. Whoever was the art director and the sound engineer and the director of photography, this looks... It was very beautiful. It was very stylized. It The color palettes, while very reminiscent of the early 90s, I remember the early 90s, it was that palette, but everything was very muted. Everything was very toned down, which makes sense. It's a very serious film, so everything's going to be very muted. When the character of Diana would have fits of mania, or she would be having an anxiety attack, or she was very anxious, or just any form of mania therein, the camera would go from a nice, you know, steady, wide shot to very close up. It would get very shaky. It would be very much, okay, we're now inside her brain. So that was wonderful visual storytelling. Once it was very easy to tell, okay, we're now in a fit of mania, just based off how how it's shot when everything's calm and she's very much with the royals everything's very smooth the shots are very balanced and when she's in these mania everything gets very chaotic everything gets very much kind of difficult to watch if they move the camera quick enough in terms of sound direction and sound mixing again very clever when she gets into these fits of mania where I was in the theater, you could all of a sudden, if you're in, you know, a grand drawing room, you could hear the clinking of the crystal. You could, like, hear people walking. The music intentionally was very dissonant and very atonal. And you could all of a sudden hear everything around you, which was the point. You know, when, as someone with anxiety, I can relate to it. Once you're in these fits, you know, your vision gets very blurry. You know, you can't focus. You hear everything around you, you know, so good for them for, again, trying to visually tell on the inside what's happening, you know, on the outside to tell what's happening on the inside. So the art direction, the sound mixing, the the music really isn't anything to call home about. There's not really anything too much going on in the score besides to heighten these moments of mania. I, I sometimes compare it to atonal elevator music. 
but there's not really much going on. It's not really a score to you know write home about. I don't think they're going to get any nominations for original score because you're not here to listen to the music. It's very much the the music helps depict on to us on the outside what's happening on the inside. So the movie was very good in terms of if you paid attention close enough, you could tell okay, we're not in reality anymore. We're in this fit of mania. So good for them for being able to make the switch. The home that they were in, the home that represented Sandringham, was beautiful. It was, I think they might have used this in some seasons of The Crown, possibly, but it looked very similar to the home that did stand in for Sandringham in season four. So in terms of continuity, you know, okay, cool, great. Uh, The costumes were decent. The costumes were okay. Uh, some things I'm uh, gonna be a little harsh on in terms of the, the the timing of this film. We're still feeling the after effects of season four of The Crown, and that got every that got so much so right. And here in this movie, they took a lot of artistic liberty, uh, more so than The Crown in terms of costumes and wigs and stuff. So there were some things that were hit, some things that were misses. You know the the vignette where she's in her wedding dress. They got the outline of it right, but when you look at the finer details, even just the surface level details, their things were off. But that's just me being picky and me being finicky, and I know that. The wig, why was Diana's hair so flat? (laughs) Her hair was, it was a good wig, you know, it didn't look like a wig in certain shots, but, you know, Diana at this point was known for having really big hair, and her hair was so flat. Jewelry, decent hair fine costumes good sets fantastic art direction sound music all that fine great those i don't have a problem with Kristen stewart's performance so this film is very much there is only one lead and that is the character of diana at this time she is still her royal highness the princess of wales but that's the only lead she is the only lead everything else is supporting And this very much at times felt like Oscar bait. And that's not her fault. That is what the writers and the casting director and all that side of production said. But at times this felt like very obvious Oscar bait. That this film in some ways had an agenda. You know, Kristen Stewart is known so much for the Twilight franchise, and I know those that were in the Twilight franchise at this point in their careers are actively poking fun at it and trying to move beyond it. And this felt like Kristen Stewart's big foray into, okay, I can do something serious. And her performance was very good. I Her performance as Diana was very good. Now, was her performance Diana? No. Her performance was a character portraying diana there were times where her behavior i felt myself going this doesn't feel like a way that diana would behave and i'll explain in a minute because that's not necessarily her fault but the material that kristen stewart was given she did very good with she had to be very vulnerable on film she had to have multiple fits of mania and I appreciated that the film didn't hold back when it came to her eating disorder and how at time the, the frustration she had felt at that at this time. So I appreciate what Kristen Stewart did. Did she look like Diana sometimes? Did she sound like Diana sometimes? There were it felt like it took her a while to settle into the character when we first see her and she walks into like a diner and she goes, "I'm lost, I can't. I don't know where I'm going." which I'll get to that in a minute. 
it, it it felt like a Diana caricature. It felt like a very big characterization of, okay, I have on my Diana costume. Let me do a few of her mannerisms and look a certain way. And okay, bada bing, bada boom, we have Diana. And there were times where she settled into her character and was actually doing something that felt organic. And then there were times where it felt like she was a caricature. But also, in terms of storytelling, the times where it felt like a caricature was when she was out in public in front of, you know, other people, the press, which in some ways is storytelling in and of itself. The idea that she had to put something on to be in front of the press, give the press what they want. So I understand that. But Kristen Stewart did very did very good. Her accent was consistent through most of it. At times it faded in and out. Not where her American accent came out, but the Diana had such a specific accent and a specific read that I cannot do at all. I cannot do a British accent to save my life, aside from a very offensive Cockney accent, a la Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. But her accent was pretty good. It stayed consistent throughout most of the film. And, uh, you know, it was, her accent was very unique, but at, at times it kind of faded in terms of, okay, where where are we going? Where's this region accent now? But it still was believable enough. But this fell in terms of her performance like Oscar bait. And, and, and I know films that feel like very obvious Oscar bait tend to frustrate people. So I can understand that because it, just that it it felt like Oscar bait. I have some real problems with this film. So this film takes place over a three day period at Sandringham. And one thing that this film does, which I immediately felt a certain way about, was before the film even opens, it has uh, in some ways a disclaimer. It says before you see any shots, it says a fable based on a true tragedy. That is this film's way of saving its own ass because it's a disclaimer that this is fake. And this film many times did not feel like it was based in any truth, which is not their point. It's it's a dramatization. It's taking a point in history and going somewhere different. So I can't be mad at that, but this film felt the characterizations, the character decisions didn't feel like anything that Diana would do. It this film had an agenda, what what felt like how I interpreted it as this film had a general message of we need to feel sorry for her. You know, this is supposed to take place in 1991, if my memory's correct. And the director even said in a town and country magazine that they really wanted to go somewhere different, that they didn't want it to feel based in reality, that if something felt real, okay, then that's probably based in some truth. And there were some points that felt real, very few and far between. But the overall theme of this film felt as if it was preaching at me going we feel sorry for her look how fragile she was look at how just look at how sensitive she was and at times you know I wasn't rooting for Diana in this film I wasn't rooting for her at all I didn't feel sorry for her I was in some ways just annoyed would be a good term because This film doesn't do Diana any justice. This film is essentially a case study into somebody on a psychotic break for an hour and 50 minutes. There were so many times where she's... They ask her the simplest task, can you be ready for dinner on time? And she can't even do that. 
and this Diana doesn't feel like it's rooted in any sense of real character traits. Now, I feel myself comparing the two Dianas and McCorn's depiction of Diana in season four in their handling of Diana versus this depiction of Diana in the film Spencer. And they're two different depictions. They're two different treatments of the character. And in this depiction, I'm not rooting for her. This film, I have a lot of problems with this film because it, the way it was advertised, the way it was presented, we are led to believe that this is where she begins her Stella's got her groove back moment in the early 90s that led to the separation and her becoming this powerhouse person, this strong, you know, badass bitch at times. And this film shows a, a Princess Diana on the verge of a complete psychotic break for the entire film. She grew up in Norfolk in this, she grew up on the Sandringham estate and you're trying to tell me that she would get lost on her way to Christmas when she's gone to Christmas multiple times this year. She can't, she's lost. Even the staff, even the royals in the film are like, you grew up here. How did you get lost? So the film was sort of actively poking fun at itself in terms of you grew up here. What, you know, what, excuse me. And it seems that this Christmas, she's so sensitive. She's so suspicious of the firm setting her up to fail. The staff listening in and making fun of her. She's so sensitive at this point of her and just on the verge of a collapse with her marriage when it doesn't even address that the only time it talks about her uh, and her knowledge of her affair with charles is in reference to a pearl necklace that the film tells us that he got two of one for camilla and one for diana and that's pretty much the only real times that it talks about it but this film listeners this film was so heavy-handed in its imagery in its allegory in terms of color story, Diana's the only one, like, in bright colors. Everybody else is muted. So that's storytelling. You know, everybody's in browns, greens, whites, beiges, tans. And she's the only one in red. Okay, you're telling me that she doesn't fit in. You know, the queen and Prince Charles at dinner are staring at her. They were so heavy-handed in the idea that she's a martyr, that she's a sacrificial lamb, especially when the Anne Boleyn uh, symbolism comes in. Anne Boleyn comes out of nowhere in this film, and Anne Boleyn is this character, this Diana's relating to her in um, the fact that, you know, she was suspected of having an affair, but her husband was having an affair the entire time. And yet she's the one being vilified when we should be looking at him. And the comparison between the two was so heavy-handed. It was so just... If this film got any more heavy-handed, I would have tripped on the sidewalk. It was so much this agenda of we need to feel bad for her. We need to... Look how awful this, uh, this system was to her. But when you look at the film objectively, the royals aren't in it at all. It's... She has more of a problem. The true villain of this film is not Prince Charles. The true villain of this film is not the Queen or the royal family. The true villain of this film, and the one that's actually, like, antagonizing her, is the one butler who... The actor, I don't know the actor's name, but the actor played Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter. So that's how I recognized him. But he's the real antagonist here. He's the one telling her... 
you know, you you can't do A, B, C, one, two, three. The royals aren't telling her that she can't do anything. You know, there's a moment where, again, we see in the trailer, they make it seem... The trailer made this film seem like it was going to be much more intense. And whoever edited that trailer did did a good job because they made this film look completely different than what it was supposed to be. You know, he's the real villain here, which is the message that it's the institution that didn't understand her. Who knows? Is this film that deep? Probably not. But he was the real villain. He was the one telling her, you know, you can't go over here. You need to be here. Oh, you keep getting dressed with your drapes open. Oh, I'm going to ask and order them to be sewn shut. Oh, you can't. You know, he was the real villain here. And not Prince Charles, not the Queen. There's actually a moment where the Queen kind of roots for her. Where it's after the Christmas speech and the Queen walks out and Diana is sort of kind of reaching out to her in a way and she goes i like what you were wearing for the speech and at this point the staff is angry at her because diana keeps changing up what she's wearing and the queen looks at her and goes you know that wasn't what my dresser picked out i went with whatever i wanted and kind of does a cheeky little moment and then carries on so the queen's kind of rooting for her and charles in some ways is kind of going look just get through christmas the staff are the ones that are against her and if you know anything about history you know that the staff loved her she everywhere she went the staff always has something positive to say of her coming down pulling pranks with them talking with them and we see a little bit of that positive relationship which is believable with her and the one head cook at sandringham where he's checking in with her baking things that she likes cooking things that she likes adding editing the menu to include food that she will eat and keep down which as an aside at this point she if my memory's correct she had gotten her bulimia under control and had beaten her bulimia at this point it was in the late 80s when she had gotten she had faced it head-on and gone through it so her fits of bulimia in this film aren't necessarily the most accurate but you know they are very real i don't want to take away from that and belittle that but what did this film get right so i've kind of gone off on a tangent here what did this film get right it got right her relationship with the cook hinting that she was very good with the with the staff and the staff respected her and it got her relationship with her children right there were multiple times in this film where there's just vignettes of her with william and harry and that felt real it felt like a mother with her two kids loving them playing with them sneaking them presents checking in with them and also if you know the history of it you know william you know when she was having these fits when he was old enough would talk to her through the door and go okay mommy you need to you know get it together i'm i'm summarizing here but there was a scene where diana can't she just can't get it together she just cannot get it together and william's talking to her through the through the through the door going you know okay you told me to tell you when you're acting up you're acting up we need to go down to dinner we need to do this we need to do and that felt in some cases okay this feels believable this feels like this would have happened this feels like it this feels like it's based in truth and the relationship we got to see a lot more of diana as a mom with her older boys and again it felt believable it felt real it felt like oh i could see this this feels like a diana character trait this feels you know okay rooted in some sense of truth those were really the only times that this film felt grounded in reality the rest of it did not feel 
grounded at all. These characters, the character of Diane is so fragile. It's like she's vibrating and about to have a complete nervous breakdown the entire time. And at this time period, you know, 1991, this is not the case. You know, it's one thing that I, I noticed is this film essentially takes place exactly where season four of The Crown stops. And we have two different, essentially the same weekend, but two different depictions of it. One where Diana's strong and is going, no, I need to carve away from myself. And I got this. I know I'm great. And I know my duties and I know my obligations and I know I need to be here. This depiction of Diana, she can't get it together. She can't keep it together. She can't do anything. She's so dependent on her one maid and her, and just, she just can't, she just can't keep it together. So this film, the character depiction of Diana is one that doesn't do her justice. This film doesn't depict her very good very positively this film depicts a diana that is fragile that is weak that can't keep it together that can't do the simplest of obligations to her or expected of her and she's been princess of wales for 10 years at this point she knew her duty she knew her job she knew the basic job description that she had to do and this film shows that she can't even do that the messaging of the film was so heavy-handed. This idea of the martyr of Anne Boleyn and the comparison between the two. Her fragile mental state, the idea of we need to feel sorry for her, was so heavy-handed. The idea of the royals being so cold, so characterless, so incapable of loving the royal family. At this point, again, it felt like they were so on the opposite end of the spectrum that... They didn't even feel like real people, which is that what the film's trying to say? Possibly. But this film doesn't do anybody favors. It doesn't do the royal family favors. It doesn't do the Spencer family any favors. It doesn't do the memory of Princess Diana any favors. It doesn't do anybody any favors. This film, (laughs) just I only need to see it once. Now, there's one thing that the film took a turn And the film implies that Diana was bisexual because her maid, this fictitious maid character, comes out to her as a lesbian, saying, you know, I have... Well, again, I can't assume that. The maid character is, again, at least bisexual herself because the maid goes, you know, all you need is love, which is a very heavy-handed metaphor. Dear Jesus, all you need is love. There are people out here that love you and you just need someone to love and to laugh and to, you know, just have these moments. And then at that same scene where they're on the beach, the maid comes out and says, you know, I love you and I love you that way. You know, I know you don't feel that way. But then the character of Diana, like, grabs her hands, they, like, hug, and they have these sort of kind of... This film is trying to imply that Diana was bisexual and had feelings for a for a maid. You know, that doesn't, again, not to contribute to by erasure. And, you know, I'm a gay man myself, so just this film didn't feel good. I've seen so many reviews where they go, this film is such a an offensive portrayal of the royal family, uh, an offensive portrayal of princess diana that none of the characterizations are based in truth and the film covers their ass by saying that it's a fable based in truth it's it's a fake story based in a true story it's taking this true story and 
going somewhere different with it. Which, as an aside, I'm just now piecing together. When you see it in the film, it's in the lower right-hand corner. And you have to, you know, turn your head and look down, which is something Diana always did. Which is so heavy, again, so heavy-handed. So, in summary, I've kind of conjectured here for a little bit. Spencer, the film. Shot wonderfully, very stylized, very much good at depicting states of mania. Kristen Stewart was very vulnerable on film multiple times. The set design, the set dressing, okay, cool, fine. Overall, that side of the production in the film, I don't have a problem with. My actual problem is the writing, the source material, the pacing of it, and the depictions of these people. This doesn't do justice to Diana. She's such a strong and an inspiration to me, I'm not going to lie to you. And this film didn't make me feel bad for her, even knowing the film made me, was shoving down my throat, we need to feel bad for her. I didn't like this film. It was so heavy-handed in its themes of how fragile she was, how alone she felt, this idea of going home, going into Park House, Anne Boleyn. My one-sentence review, it's an hour and 50 minute film of somebody on the verge of a psychotic break. This film says it's fake, and yes, this very much felt fake. The characters didn't feel grounded. The characters were so one-dimensional. The characters didn't have any redeeming qualities, and that's even including Diana. You know, the antagonist, the film's trying to tell us that the royal family was the antagonist, but the real antagonist is this one asshole staff member. You know, where he's so, you know, we're going to do tradition. The royal family always sticks to tradition. And just, that's my little summary of it. This was such a heavy-handed film. I didn't like it. I only need to see it once. And the few that I've interacted with you on Twitter have said no similar sentiments. I don't want to see this film. And I don't blame you. I, this wasn't a film that I liked. It felt like it was Oscar bait. It felt like... It was so hand-fisting in this idea of, look how poorly she was being treated. Look how poorly, look ABC123. And it didn't do anything new with this storyline. And I'll end with these final thoughts. When are we going to let this storyline of Diana rest? And when are we going to let her officially rest in peace? This idea of film depictions of Diana first began in the early 2000s where we had the film The Queen. But Diana wasn't a pivotal role in that because it depicts her death. And she's only in the film, I think, for like a minute. But then we have the film Diana with Naomi Watts. We have this film. We have countless specials on Netflix and CNN of documentaries. We have... Uh, the musical, we have The Crown, and I like The Crown. I like the film The Queen, but you can feel the royal family wants to move on. Royal commentators want to move on. Historians want to move on and officially let her sleep, let her rest, and let history move on. But Hollywood and media doesn't want to move on. Those are my final thoughts. Spencer the film, just that just that little bit of silence there just everybody that has a problem with it those that know more about the royal family than i do those that are commentators that have spent time with the royal family i understand your critiques your critiques are just and yeah 
This film did not feel like real depictions. The characters weren't grounded. The characters were one-dimensional. The conflict was so... It just It's just following her mental collapse. That's all this film does. It just It's documents her mental collapse. And finally, Leaving Christmas, where she walks in front of a shooting line to get her kids out from uh, shooting pheasants, and then goes back to London, gets KFC, and then the film closes. I don't know if this film knew exactly what stance it wanted to take, aside from we need to feel sorry for her. When I do feel sorry for Diana and that, that she went through this very traumatic experience, but this depiction of her didn't make me feel any worse. This depiction made me go, this feels gross because this doesn't feel real. This feels like an exploitation. There were positives in this film, but the overall feeling is that this feels like an exploitation of the royal family and Princess Diana. I don't need to see this film again, but let me know on Twitter. Did you, do you have similar feelings that I do? Am I weird out in Lonely Island for feeling this way? Let me know what you, what, what, what you think. But those were my thoughts and a deep dive into Spencer, the film. This feels like Oscar bait. If it, if it gets awards, cool, fine, great. This felt very obviously like an exploitation. Let me know on Twitter what you, what you thought about it. Did you see it feel similar ways? What were your thoughts? Did you like it? And what did you like about it? You know, let's continue this conversation offline. Let's continue this on on social media. Let me know what you thought. But there you go, listeners. There's my review into Spencer, the film. I'm not going to see it again. Don't really recommend it. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. You're a real trooper. If you would like to email me to let me know how I'm doing, suggest topics for future episodes or more, you can drop me a line over at the official podcast email at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. I check that regularly and do my best to listen to what you have to say. If you want to interact and continue this conversation on social media, you can head over to the official Twitter page at Fanatic underscore Royal. I interact much more with all of you there, and there is an official Facebook page, but I'm bad at posting on there, I know. But Twitter is where I'm much more active on, so head over to Twitter. Let's continue the conversation. If you feel so inclined to donate to the show, there is a official PayPal link and a monthly donation link over on the Anchor homepage. I know times are tough right now, but if you feel so inclined to donate, I would greatly appreciate that. Head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, Bullhorn, Audible, Apple, wherever you're listening to this podcast to rate, review, subscribe, and share. I would really appreciate that. So again, I can improve the podcast and make it the very best it can be. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Stay safe, and I will see you in the next one. Mm